Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Catch and Shoot 2.0 goes well with both red and white and is perfect with the workout of your choice. Our hosts are Aaron Berlin, a former Kansas Jayhawk who believes the Orlando Magic will win the championship. Eventually. (laughs) His partner is Otto Strong, a man who has covered the NBA since before Dennis Rodman got his first tattoo. Fellas? Thanks so much, Darlene. Coming up on today's show, we are talking about the Charlotte Hornets and everything that they did from the draft to the free agent market. With the one and only Nick Carboni at WCNC-TV. So touch on everything that happened throughout the course of free agency, some deals that we liked, some deals that we didn't like. But before we get to all that, I have to bring in the one and only. His name is Otto Strong. Otto, how's it going, my man? Doing well, man. How you doing? How's things going? You know, it, it, is, it is not bad. It is my favorite week of the year. No lie. I love nothing more than just a full spread at a table. Mostly because I am consistently the guy whose eyes are always bigger than his stomach. You know, like I'll, I'll load up the first plate and then I'll think I'm going to eventually go back for a second. And then I'll just end up leaving, you know, just massive amounts of food on my plate. I'm the worst kind of Thanksgivinger. So are you, uh, so what's, so what's your strategy? Do you have a big family and do you go sides first? Do you go bird first? Because, you know, once that's, you know, once, once the, once the, one of the drumsticks gone, then it's, then it's gone. So you got to have a strategy. You got to have a game plan here. So, so, here, so here's the thing. I, I, I don't love turkey. Okay. Never been a huge turkey fan, but I love sides. Like okay. as a Midwesterner to my core, the more casseroles I can consume in any given day, the better. <laughs> like if I can get like a green bean casserole, if I can get spaghetti casserole, yes, it's a thing. It is a thing. It is a Midwest thing. It's a Kansas thing. Um, if I can maybe get some mac and cheese, you know, some mashed potatoes, gravy, like I just load up that plate and then I look at it and I start to eat it. And then I maybe eat about a third of the plate. See, see, this is, this, and this is why we pair so well together because I'm a bird man. Like love, love me some Turkey, you know, get that, get that gravy on it with the stuffing inside. It's just, oh, this just makes it, that just makes it. So now are you the type of person who puts his gravy on everything? Uh, so, so this is where I'm going to geek out on you. It depends on what it is and who's making it. So if it's like grandma from like 1983, yeah, it's going on everything. But if it's like, well, I won't mention the family members, but if it's some other people's, then maybe not. That's okay. You don't have to call it anyone's cooking. We're we're not here for that. (laughs) But so, so how about this? It's Thanksgiving week. We all love food. We all love, you know, certain parts of the meal at Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. We had a huge week in the NBA. You know, we were talking about this last week. We, we didn't know if we were going to be able to make it through last week. We had the draft. We had free agency. We had trades being able to do. What if we 
speak about players in the terms of some of our favorite meals and what it meant for those clubs. I like that. It's a, it was a cornucopia of activity. Oh, man. Meaning a lot of. See, see, I, I still remember that from listening to even Stevens when I was younger and I'm dating yeah. myself here, but all right. So we talked about stuffing, right? We talked yes. about gravy. We talked yes. about green bean casserole. I'm going to start off with a little bit of a side because okay. you can't, you can't go for the whole meal right at once. Mm. But if I'm going to say that someone had a green bean casserole esque week, and when I think of green bean casserole, I think of, you know, it's always something that looks tasty. And it looks tremendous on top. But then once you bite into it, you eat it a little bit, you consume it. You're like, I, I don't know if this is that good. You know, I don't know if I need 10 bites of this, but I might need eight bites of this. Right. right. That would be the Philadelphia 76ers, right? Like that is them to a T. But I will say this. I liked everything that they did from the draft to free agency, to dumping Al Horford, to signing Seth Curry. I just don't know if it's going to be enough for that team. That sounds like 10 bites to me, man. So I'll I'll say this. I think they are an Eastern Conference contender. No doubt about it. I don't think they're a four, five, six seed, kind of like where we saw them in relation to last year. Mm -hmm. I think they are a legitimate one or two this year in the Eastern Conference. Definitely, definitely. So you got got another side on there you want to throw out? So I'll say this. We talked about gravy. Mm-hmm. And I love just drizzling things because you think about gravy and you think about the things that it goes on top, like mashed potatoes right. and they're meaty and they're filling and they're just trying to, you know, maybe add a little bit to the meal. The Milwaukee Bucks did that. Did they not? With Drew Holiday, they fattened up a little bit, you know, they added that in there. I would have liked to have seen them consummate that Bogdanovich deal. It didn't happen but I still like them adding someone who can compliment Giannis Adetokounmpo and someone who can go out and get his own shot. And Drew Holiday can do that. Mm. Well, you know, okay. So here's the deal. Stuffing in my house is always a big deal. You had the hot end, you had the mild end, you had three different kinds. And so I'm going to give you two different types of stuffing. Ooh. We have, we have the Boston Celtics and picking up Tristan Thompson. That's a good one. He's like, he's, he's a double, double, Stat sheet stuffer. So there's this stuffing number one. Stuffing number two is the other side of that deal. Uh, the other side of that equation, Gordon Hayward. Under 20 million, four years, Charlie Hornets. He's, he's just stuffing that wallet with dollar dollar oh, bills, right? Uh, dollar dollar bill, y'all. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But here's the thing. Sides are great. And, and I know you're, you're a Midwestern guy and you love your sides. I'm an East Coast guy and I'm all about the bird. And all of these sides look really nice going around the bird. And the bird is the Los Angeles Lakers because all they did, they had a, it was a big bird that just got bigger. They, they got I, better. Exactly. They got better. Exactly. How did they do that with their cap situation? <sighs> Find a way. I mean, the Dennis Schroeder deal, Montrell's Harold Montrell coming in. Uh, you know, I loved Rondo and, and you know, love what Danny Green was able to do, but I think that they actually, I've gotten better you know, with this, and they are at the center of my table. Yeah, Rob Palenka had a great offseason. Oh, my God. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. I love adding Harrell. I love Schroeder more because I think Schroeder, when he gets out and runs, he can really be a dynamic point guard, and he doesn't have to start. You know, He spent a lot of his time in OKC as a sixth man, and, and that's fine with that Lakers team because he's just there to add a little bit. What if we were going to add a little dessert to this? Ooh. So 
Okay, let's do it. What if I were to say, and we're throwing this out here, a little apple pie, mm-hmm. a little James Harden action. Hmm. That makes sense. Does that work? Would you, is, is that fair to say? Like, you know, he's tasty, he's sweet, you know, he's, he's a little warm, but you add a little ice cream in there too, because he can be a little cold. <laughs> Definitely tasty and sweet. And it's also like one of those things like, you know, you've had too much already, but you just can't help yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's perfect. Yeah. I think that's wonderful. And well I, hope, I hope our listeners just enjoyed the meal that we laid out before them. Oh, and, I, and I hope everyone feasted last week on what the NBA gave them. Uh, I, I, no, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> All right. One organization that really had a great week and has a lot to be thankful for today is the Charlotte Hornets. Not only did they have the number one, number three pick in the NBA draft, they also added a big time free agent. So let's go ahead and welcome in Nick Carboni at WCNC TV. And it is my pleasure to welcome in Nick Carboni of WCNC-TV. He is a sports director out there in the Queen City. Nick, first off, thank you for staying up late with us. We appreciate you taking your time. And I'll tell you what, Charlotte's got a lot to be excited about right now. I mean, just the fact that I'm doing a podcast about the Hornets with a bunch of guys from all over the country shows you that this was a pretty big week for us here down in in the 704, yeah. Yeah, in the middle of football season, no less. <laughs> yeah, and, and with the Panthers, you know, I wouldn't say they're a good team, but they're a, an, an interesting team locally, but still uh, the Gordon Hayward news and certainly the LaMelo Ball news dominated the week here. Um, and, you know, having covered this team for the last four and a half years, there have, hasn't been good news dominating. Right? And, and we'll debate whether, whether it was good news or not, but uh, hasn't been positive news dominating here for a while. Yeah, absolutely. And so let's let's talk about the first part of the week. And I think it was kind of a mind-numbing week for everybody involved. <laughs> you know, not only do you have a draft, but then you have free agency start on Friday yep. night and free agency is its own thing. But Charlotte picks at number three. They kind of watch the board and fall. And then they go with LaMelo Ball. What is the initial reaction to the pick there? And, you know, you spoke about it. How excited are people there? I think people are excited. I think there was an initial you know, oh, it, it had everything to do with his name, his dad, everything that's happened off the basketball court, not even really for LaMelo, more for Lonzo. And I think when things started to set in a little bit and people started to watch some of the film and hear some of the, um, you know, diagnoses, if you will, from, from the experts out there. And then when he got introduced here the next, or one of the next days, I think people really started to, to kind of gravitate towards him a little bit and, and kind of get off that, you know, okay, it's a ball kid. What's he going to be like? You know, is he going to want to be here? Because he, you know, he, he smiled for the cameras, said all the right things, doesn't exactly speak in sound bites yet because he's 19 years old and we got to remember that. Um, but I, I love the way it unfolded. And I think Hornets fans were most happy with it. I think there was a lot of anxiety that the Hornets were going to sell off some assets to move up one or two spots to get a James Wiseman. Uh, and, and I think the fact that they kind of, have, as you said, patiently waited, let things unfold and, and let one of those two or three guys fall to them and then just go from there, I think was the right approach. And so the mood in town is, is one of, we, we, feel we, we, we feel we did good. With the ball, with the ball pick. Yeah. yeah. I think people are excited. Um, you know, I, I think, 
if you look at the three top, and first of all, this goes back until it's, it's hard to remember when things were, but I think it was August the lotto, lottery was in. The Hornets fans did not have a lot of hope for that evening. I mean, this is a franchise that should have gotten the, the top pick in 12 and ended up with the two. And instead of Anthony Davis, and, you know, listen, they, they should have done a little bit better of a job at two. They picked Michael Kidd Gilchrist. So this is not the way they're used to things falling. So I think since that night, there was a lot of excitement and that everybody kind of tightened up a little bit. Uh, the days leading up to the draft, you know, what are they going to do? Uh, are, are they going to, they're going to blow a bunch of assets and, and, and move up unnecessarily. Uh, and, and the thing I kept saying was, well, at least it's the third pick and whatever they do, it'll be like a bandaid. It'll be over quick. But like I said, I, I think people have kind of, um, if they weren't on board with it, because it certainly was polarizing right away, I think people kind of fell in love a little bit with the guy. And, and he, he mentioned that he went to Cookout, which is a really popular Southern fast food chain right away. And uh, I, I, honest to God, think that flipped a few more people over to his side. That's how, that's how big of a deal that was. <laughs> He's just really gravitating to Charlotte and understanding everything that city is about. So, so what type of point guard is Charlotte getting here? What can we expect from him next year as far as his role with this team? Yeah, and, and I know a lot of people want to pencil him in as a starting point guard right away. Like, okay, you know, and, and we'll get to the Hayward thing. Okay, Hayward and Ball and, and this and that. Charlotte's got two veteran point guards who had two solid seasons last year, Terry Rozier and Devontae Graham. And, and, and we know that LaMelo Ball's potential far outreaches either of those two guys. But again, he's 19 years old. He played professional basketball, quote unquote, in Australia. I think it was a good league. He played 12 games. And I didn't realize it. He only played 12 games until he got drafted. And we really started looking. Not to mention the fact that if this were any other year, he'd have from June through summer league, through a training camp, through a preseason to get ready for the season in, in late October, November. Now you're talking about, okay, kid, here are the keys to the offense. Here's the keys to the franchise. We start in a month. We start practicing in two weeks, we think. We'll see what happens. Uh, so I don't see that there's a, a need to really force him into the starting lineup. Um, in any basketball sense anyway, maybe from a business standpoint, but you can't even have fans in the stands at this point. I think they can bring him along a little bit. Um, certainly, he's going he's gonna to get a lot of minutes. He's going to demand a lot of minutes, not you know, personally, but just, just who he is. And I think right away he can be a facilitator and somebody that can see the floor really well and get the ball to guys in spots where they're able to, to do something with it. I, I think that is what he's going to offer right away, hopefully eventually. He gets to the point where he's running the show. Uh, it's his team. He's able to shoot a little better, score a little more, and improve on defense. But I think at the very least, uh, his passing is going gonna, is gonna to be fun to watch right away. So, Nick, you, you mentioned the, you know, kind of the other part of the exciting news uh, here is that uh, uh, Gordon Award. I mean, some, I think, saw it as a surprise uh, three-year deal. I think 120 email, if I'm not, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah, four, four for 120. So, four 30 for a year. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. So, Go ahead. No, no. So, so you know, where where does that? I mean, I think uh, you know. So, being, being a Knicks fan growing up, we we go through this kind of almost every week where we kind of rub a little salt in the wound about like it's another guy that the Knicks thought they were going to get. No, I guess not. But so Charlotte's got him, and great for them. And so, how do you see that uh, fitting in there? You know, it's been an interesting weekend because nobody 
expected that. There, there were not a lot of whispers about that at all. Um, there was a lot the week prior to the draft about maybe Russell Westbrook uh, coming over in some type of way. Uh, again, like I talked about the lotto, Hornets fans are just kind of mentally trained the last handful of years to get used to these bad contracts, players not working out. Uh, now Nick Batum is on his way out. <laughs> I mean, and, and, and it's a slow bleed with that contract because it looks like they're going to wave and stretch. Um, a lot of people still aren't used to Mitch Kupchak making these moves yet, that it, it is Mitch Kupchak's job at general manager. Rich Cho handed out a lot of these, what people would, would probably refer to as, as poor contracts. So this is Mitch Kupchak's team building now, and this is the first time he's been able to get out from under a little, a little bit of that salary cap hell. So a lot of, a lot of folks, I was one of them thought, you know, after a couple names went by, I think it was Friday night that free agency began. All right. They didn't get Montrez Harrell and get some of these other guys stash it for 21. Got a really good draft class and even better free agent class for markets that can attract free agents. And that's part of this equation too. But Mitch Kupchak all of a sudden had a hundred dollars in his wallet for the first time. He spent 50 of it, maybe, yeah. maybe 75 of it. So maybe a little bit of an overpayment for sure. Nick, does this feel like a move that's maybe a year too early? Uh, you get the high lottery pick one year, you know, this is a team that wasn't a playoff team last year and maybe you let ball develop one year before you do this, or does this feel right for the, for the Hornets? Yeah. I mean, from a basketball standpoint, it, it fits because they need a wing player. Um, they love, they love the ball movement game. James Brago has really uh, ingrained that into a young core here. And they're kind of, they've kind of been waiting for, you know, that older established player and that young star to come in and be a part of it. And I'm a little surprised that that's happened already. Um, you know, Gordon Hayward is, is obviously the caveat is if he stays healthy, uh, at, baseline is a solid all-around player who can defend his position he can defend you know maybe the four a little bit he shoots pretty well he rebounds pretty well he passes really well I think that is uh, partly the attraction there but yeah I think the main criticism that I have uh, is not the money because there's a ton of bad contracts in the NBA this isn't the worst one uh, it might be the worst one of this weekend uh, but that'll pass and, and that'll be overtaken at some point. I just think, like you said, it's, it's, did you want to ride that part of it out one more year? How, how much does Gordon Hayward coming here move you from, you know, 10 to nine, from nine to eight and playing in the eight, one game in the playoffs at best? You know, I, I'm, I'm not sure it really does that. For, for my money, the, the uh, uh, Danilo Gallinari contract is, it might, might be the worst one. I mean, <laughs> but, that, but that's just me. Well, Nick Batum here, I mean, and, and that was another part of this, you know, kind of like, I don't want to overuse it, but a little bit of trauma with Hornets fans is they signed Batum to this massive deal in 16. They've just made the playoffs with Kemba Walker. Batum had been this wing slash shooting guard facilitator, kind of do it all kind of guy. They signed him to this massive contract and the guy straight up disappeared on the floor. I mean, it was, it was crazy. I, I'm not sure I've seen anything like that before. And it just got worse and worse and worse. I think it really got to him. Um, I, I think he, he needs a fresh start. The Hornets need a fresh start. Unfortunately, uh, they're going to be, you know, tasked with paying him $27 million still, whether it's in the one year or the three. 
Um, I don't think I, I know that Gordon Hayward is not that player if he's healthy. That's not going to happen in this case. So that for me alleviates it a little bit that it won't be that bad of a contract. I'm still here to say Marcus Morris getting $64 million is an awful contract. And the magic handing Bismack Biombo $72 million a few summers ago was an awful contract as well. We've got him here still, but not at that price. <laughs> no, but you guys very got manageable backup center locker room guy price. Exactly. And you guys got assets back in return. <laughs> you guys were taking on the salary in that one. So, so how does James Borrego mix and match these two guys? You know, at one point you're going to have a very, you know, you know, a safe to say point guard that has a lot of star potential in LaMelo. It might not happen this year, but it might happen down the road. And then you're mixing in this veteran in Gordon Hayward. How does he plan to utilize these players? What's the early sense of maybe what Charlotte's thinking? Yeah, that's going to be the interesting part. And, and those conversations and, and answers from Borrego happened on Wednesday night before Hayward got here because you're drafting LaMelo Ball into a situation where Borrego likes to play on the smaller side. I mean, he really has to a lot of times. Uh, he likes to space the floor. He likes to move the ball. Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier, I mean, they had good years. I mean, Devontae Graham came out of nowhere. Terry Rozier, I think, you know <laughs> – there was a lot of, you know, snickering at that contract as well, and maybe there still should be, but the guy went out and proved that he could be an everyday guard in the NBA. Um, so that's going to be an interesting mix on its own without the prospect of Hayward coming in, and then you add that in. Um, you know, I, I get the sense, and, and we haven't gotten an answer from this on Brego yet, the, the media availability after the ball um, pick was pretty brief, uh, and he did not speak at LaMelo's uh, introductory press conference. I, get the, I don't get the sense that LaMelo Ball is going to have to start right away, uh, just for the reasons I, I kind of outlined before. So, you know, these guards can play off. They can play on. Um, I, I think Borrego is going to have fun with it. I should have looked it up before this, but it's, it's amazing how many lineups James Borrego put together for Charlotte last year. Uh, you would have you would have guys uh, that would go through stretches of you know like eight to ten DNPs and then boom they'd be starting. These guys always constantly had to be ready for when they were playing, if they were playing, if they were starting. How what was their role? So he's a guy that likes to tinker and he's a guy that's not afraid. And, and we'll see how it goes now that he's got some names here and some expectations probably from the top that those names are in certain roles. Uh, he's a guy that likes to to put a lot of different stuff out there on the floor and see what he likes. So the name of the game is, uh, these days is obviously pace. Play with pace, you know, speed up the game, speed up the game. Where do you think this team will likely fall in that the kind of upper tier, middle tier? How do you think they'll fall? Yeah, I think they're just not talented enough to be in that upper, upper tier. But, you know, it wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me if they were in the, the top half. Uh, I think they really started to get a sense of themselves last season. Uh, they, they, they won something like three or their three or four of their final six, which, you know, is pretty pedestrian for most teams, but for this team, it was against, you know, Houston, uh, Denver, Miami, where they either won those games or they were really close and not a lot of people would have expected them to be. And they weren't a month prior to that. Right. Uh, Malik Monk came along and, and he started becoming basically a different player than what they drafted, but almost somebody that they could have now justify having drafted back then, certainly not ahead of Donovan Mitchell, which is where he fell. 
Um, so I think James Borrego has got this team playing, starting to play at the pace he wants them, them to play at. And I think LaMelo Ball and Gordon Hayward are only going to uh, help that and enhance that because those are good players uh, in those situations. LaMelo, I mean, specifically, even push, just pushing the floor uh, can, can have an impact right away. Nick, I love the fact that you mentioned James Borrego and how many lineups he can throw out there because I, I remember uh, the second half of the campaign that he took over for Jack Vaughn in Orlando. I, I was mm. with the Magic at the time, and you know, he was tinkering on so many different levels just trying to find something that you could tell that he was a coach that could deal with young players and could deal with finding a way to motivate young players. Two years into James Borrego as the head coach at Charlotte, now going on year three, how happy are they with him? Because it really seems like he's starting to come into his own as a head coach. I think they're extraordinarily happy with him. Uh, and, and one thing that, you know, maybe is an unseen part of this with, with LaMelo coming in and Gordon coming in and how does this all fit is the fact that everybody else's game around here is kind of elevated over the last few years. I mean, it's most notable with Devontae Graham, who probably should have been most improved player of the year, and, you know, he's got some holes in his game still, but I, would, I think he can play at this level at least going forward. Um, P.J. Washington came in and scored 27 points on his first night. Now, he didn't do that every night, but he got better as the year went on. Miles Bridge is a little more of a slow burn, but he's, he's getting better on both ends of the floor. Like I said, Malik Monk has turned himself, you know, he was going to be this volume shooter, a guy that could go on a heater. Well, now he's just this kind of guy that does everything does all the dirty work on offense, just drives into the paint and can kick out or finish around the rim. They've used Greensboro, and, and I'm not quite sure how other franchises view the G League and, and how they use it. You know, I, I, it's obviously to develop players, but I think the Hornets have done an excellent job with it. They've got a liaison that goes back and forth with these players as they you – know, it, it's not just about going to Greensboro, hey, get, go run around a little bit, you know, score 45 points because, you know, anybody can do – anybody in the NBA can go to the G League and do that. We've seen that for years. But a lot of these guys will tell you once they stick in the rotation for James Borrego, it, it was probably because of those back-and-forth trips, Devontae Graham included. So his player development could perhaps, I think the hope is, help accelerate things now that they're getting better talent in here, which they haven't had. Nick, first off, I just have to say that I love that you're giving so much praise to Devontae Graham. First off, I, I, I'm a Kansas guy. I just happen to live in Florida. So I watched Devontae all through his four years at college. Yep. And I, I watched Charlotte draft him because I remember sitting in the draft room or sitting where the media room was in Orlando, watching Devontae Graham fall down draft boards. And I was so upset when you guys took him just ahead of us. But, you know, it's, it's been fun to watch everything that he's done in Charlotte. But, you know, so I guess just a quick follow-up. The way I look at the Eastern Conference next year, the Nets are not going to be a sub-500 team. They're going to be much improved. Washington's going to get John Wall back. The Magic, I'm indifferent on what their philosophy is or whatever it is they're doing these days. But is this a playoff team heading into this year? I thought it could be after last year before LaMelo Ball got here and before Gordon Hayward got here, simply be, because of the way they had played down the stretch, the way they played against some of those teams that are in and around them fighting for that eight seed constantly. Um, 
I think they ought to be a, a playoff team this year. And I know there's a, there's a lot of hand-wringing around here. Well, you know, you don't want to just be the eighth seed all the time. Well, like, get there. Get there. They haven't won a playoff series in almost 20 years. I don't see that happening this year. We'll see what they do after this year in free agency in the draft and, and maybe being able, being able to move out from some of these other contracts. But there was a way that this team – and who knows with, with just the ridiculously long layoff that they've had, unprecedented from March now almost to, to Christmas. They had an awful lot of momentum. And, they, and I know James Borrego was feeling really good about where they were because they had gone through some really bad lulls, and you, you could tell – he was just trying to get them through it. Once they came out of that, in that range of late February and early March, this team was kind of on the hunt for a spot. Uh, I don't think they would have gotten it, but they were going to be close. So with Hayward and Ball, uh, I'm, I'm going to set the bar there. It's going to be a fight, though. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> oh, there's, there's more <laughs> of a chance now than there has been in a while. Yeah, okay, okay. I love it. Well, Nick, thanks so much for taking the time and joining us, man. This was, this was great. It was good to hear about Charlotte and the things that they're doing. And I think everyone's excited just to have a little bit more competition that Eastern conference this year and to see what they can do in the queen city. Yeah. Hopefully they can make some noise. Uh, I, I know they're, they're going to be on the highlights a lot with LaMelo here. That's for sure. Awesome. Appreciate your time, Nick. Thank you guys. That was dope. <laughs> Well, that was probably more than I ever thought I'd want to know about the Charlotte Hornets, but I'm glad we asked. <laughs> I'm just happy to hear about Devontae Graham. I could hear, I could listen to anyone speak about Devontae Graham at all times of the day. I have no issue with it. <laughs> I think that's, a, that, you may have an audible, a Devontae Graham audible. That may be your, your, your thing. <laughs> so I'm really kind of intrigued by, you know, we've gotten through a whole lot now. There's just this little bit left called the season and the schedule that we're going to get through. And it'll be a 72-game season, and they're going to release the schedule in parts. So we got to get the first part, and then somewhere into the season, we'll get the second part, which is both intriguing and kind of head-scratching at the same time, but I totally get it. Does that speak about the NBA's concern of how many games are going to be canceled? And canceled's not the right word postponed, because games are never canceled. They're always delayed. Does that speak about the league's concern about how many of those games are going to have to move in the early parts of the schedule and how they're going to fit them in? Uh, the early part of the schedule or the middle of the schedule. I mean, you know, what we know about coronavirus and COVID is, that, you know, yes, numbers are high right now and vaccines are coming, but, you know, just because they may arrive on a proverbial shelf in, I'm making this up, February or March, doesn't mean that it actually gets to everybody that it needs to get to yeah. by that time. So lot that we still need to check out here. I'm very interested to see how these expedited training camps go and how they bleed into those. The NBA starting around December is tremendous. Mm -hmm. I think that's exciting for the league. I, I think a lot of people have slept through early parts of the campaign traditionally, you know, those late October games, especially in November, people are excited about college basketball. They're still excited about college football. That's winding down. You have bowl season in early December. The NBA starting the calendar around Christmas feels right because so many people get excited about that game. But I'm interested to see what happens with the short offseason, the expedited training camps, with getting these rookies in and just how everyone is able to adapt. We've seen other leagues do it. Other leagues have been successful. You know, baseball had an outbreak, break, then they were able to manage it. 
football has kind of been on this evolving schedule all year long where games have been pushed to either a Monday or a Tuesday. I don't know if the NBA is going to have, you know, that kind of latency with the way that their schedule has traditionally been unfolded. You can't have players playing multiple four games and five nights, right? Like that was part of their amendum that they didn't, or addendum that they did not want these players going through rigors like that. It's going to happen this year. And I think you're going to see a lot of them, which is unfortunate for the league. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the teams you're probably most concerned about for obvious reasons, not just because they're your marquee teams, but because they played into October, you know, you're, you're, the Lakers and, and the heat. And then after that, I guess if you're thinking about just the law of the amount of time that they played, you would add, I guess, the, with the Celtics and the, and the Nuggets into, into that mix. After that, I'm, look, I am not taking anything away from not trying to make it out, make it seem like teams that played in the bubble or play teams that played in the first couple of rounds of the postseason. You know, I mean, yeah, they played and they ran, but considering that they shut it down in March, it was kind of like a, an intense summer league or an intense mid-offseason tournament. So yeah. I, don't, you know, I don't feel so bad about about that but anyway can i get one last word in and i and i did a good job of not mentioning this the entire podcast but can we get super excited about the tampa bay raptors oh we the south we the south (laughs) man we the south it's happening we the bay you the south (laughs) i've I've always been a dino fan and to have them just down i4 i'm really excited about it i'm gonna go to a couple raptors games if i can well uh go for it and stay safe and you know with that I uh, want to thank everybody for, uh, for listening to this show. We also want to thank the people that make it happen, especially at this uh, joyous uh, Thanksgiving time of year. I want to thank the man in the chair, the guy called Scott Turkin, uh, our, top, our top producer here at the, uh, Pure Hoops Media, Bruce Bernstein, and our editor, Tom Phillip. And I'm super excited for when my Tampa Bay Raptors shirt finally gets in. I'll wear it on the show next week so you can see it, Otto. But if you guys have not checked out any of our content lately, here's what's coming to you this Thanksgiving week. Mike Weiss welcomed on Tim Legler this week. They had a fantastic conversation about what's going on with the NBA. We have a relaunch of Full Court Press. It's no longer Full Court Press with Fanton Adams. It is now Full Court with Jenny Fisher and Kara Kay, two incredibly smart basketball women just talking hoops talking college talking WNBA talking NBA a little bit of everything you're going to get on that show we're really excited to bring that one to you as always you get your NBA news and nuggets right here on catch and shoot 2.0 with Otto and myself bucket sports and blocks this week with Monica McNutt and King McClure will be a Thanksgiving special so make sure you tune into that one and as always we round out the week with the pure hoops podcast with BJ Armstrong and Eric Newman And just a reminder, guys, if you're thankful for the programming that we bring you each and every week, all that we ask is that you hit that like button, you tap that subscribe button, and you give us a little love in your comments. Hey, everybody. I want to make sure everyone has a happy Thanksgiving, but also want to make sure everyone has a safe Thanksgiving. So please remember to keep social distancing to the extent that you can. Wear a mask, wash your hands, and be well. Until next time. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.